Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Oh, that was flying in the wind. Hello, I'm David Butler. <laughs> I'm Emily Freeman. And welcome to Don't Miss This. I forgot what our show was called for a second, <laughs> but this. that's what it's still called. So glad that all of y'all are here. I don't know what month this is going to be in, but <laughs> happy whatever it is. Oh, and let's just say this. Please bless COVID-19 is over. I know. By the time this comes out, it will be. Oh, I hope so. I will speak hope. Okay, thank you. <laughs> into this. Okay. All right, y'all, we're doing today Mosiah 18 to 24, 78 chapters of the Book of Mormon <laughs> today. And we're, look, look who's back. <laughs> back again. Okay, the map is back because we have to start talking about this guy again so that you know where we're at. But just so you know, all of this um, spaghetti is about to become... Resolved. Resolved. We're so happy. Today's. We're all going to get back together. No more flashbacks until the book of Ether. Okay, so hold that for a second so okay, that we can tell. Okay, because this is where we're starting right now. Okay, we're yeah. going to start with the map. Right? We have to because Mosiah 18. Okay, okay, this is what happened. Remember, you have these people. We're in the middle of this flashback because um, Zenith came down from the Nephites and they were all living here. Noah was a bad guy. Limhi's his son, and that's when they're going to meet Ammon. Yeah, Ammon's not here yet. Pretend we don't even know who Ammon is. He's a surprise. Okay, Alma broke off from the people of Limhi. Because Remember, he had to run away from con- Noah. Yeah, he that's was why. converted. And we're going to look at that part in just a second. And he is going to run away, and then they are going to be their own people. And we're going to watch their story until they get to go back home. And then we're going to go watch Limhi's story until they get to go back home. So it's actually the tale of two cities today in just a minute. But we're starting with Alma's story. So he's run away. Remember, we ended last time with that awesome thought in chapter 17, but there was one. Mm. And Alma starts to teach. He writes down and he teaches. That's probably why we have, why Abinadi's whole sermon, right? He writes down everything Abinadi taught him and he starts to teach other people about this redeeming and delivering God and um, gathers together a bunch of people. But he's like Robin Hood. He has like a bounty on his head. (laughs) You know, he's not stealing from anybody though. And he doesn't know how to do a bow and arrow. But um, he is gathering people who believe and they're meeting together secretly out at this... um, this place and people are like, they're kind of forming this little group together and they're going to all leave together. And they're at the waters of Mormon. You know exactly who they are and where they are. Chapter 18 of Mosiah. Okay. Yeah. This is where it starts. Privately teaching the people in verse one and gathering them together, teaching them. Look at that, which was to come verse two. This is, I think it's neat. He's like, this is what he learned from Abinadi about the resurrection of the dead, the redemption of the people the power and the sufferings and the death of Christ and his resurrection and ascension into heaven. This is just this beautiful Jesus-centered teaching that he's doing. And many believed in his words and they took him to a place which was called Mormon. And they go there and who loves that it? it used to be infested by wild beasts. <laughs> That's an unneeded detail. Um <laughs> But they are teaching but them. But it, it they... is a needed detail, though, because that's probably why no one was there. 
Oh, true. Except for them. It's like Sherwood Forest. He really is like Robin Hood. We never even knew. But this is so awesome. They gather together at this place and you get um, this beautiful teaching about um, baptismal covenants in this chapter because they all believe on his words in verse 7. And and they um, they learned about repentance and redemption and faith on the Lord. And then Alma asks these questions. And we have right here on the paper this spot. They're about to say this is the desire of our hearts, just so you know. Um, and these are the covenant promises of those who've been redeemed. And he says this, starting in verse 8. And not just redeemed, but let's say this too, who are going to enter into the waters of baptism. This becomes the covenant of baptism. This is my favorite place to go when you teach baptism because you learn what we recommit to every Sunday mm-hmm. at the sacrament. Mm. It's right here. Okay, then you go. This is your favorite Oh, I place. love this part okay. so much. Um, so I love when he says this in verse 8, chapter 18, verse 8. It came to pass that he said unto them, Behold, here are the waters of Mormon, for that's what they were called. And now as you are desirous to <laughs> Hi, come into I'm the Hi, I'm David, fold, because that's what I'm called. <laughs> and come into the fold of God and are willing to be called his people. And then here's what you're um, going to be willing to do. Bear one another's burdens that they may be light. Mm. Be willing to mourn with those that mourn. Comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And to stand as a witness of God at all times and in all things and in all places. Um, I just love the thought that that is the covenant. That's what we promise that we're going to do. And I can remember being at Women's Conference several years ago. And I was sitting in a talk that was being given by Mary Ellen Edmonds. And she was talking about getting through times of trial. And then she just said this one line. And right when she said it, does this ever happen to you where someone says something and it is like seared into your soul in that moment? It was like one of those. Like I have all women's conference ever in my entire life. This is the only line I remember. And she said, in times of distress... Hopefully a covenant person is within reach. And I remember thinking to myself, what does she mean by that? Like it was so interesting. What, why in times of distress would you want a covenant person? I was trying to think in my mind as opposed to like anyone else in the world. And I thought about it for a lot of days after and finally was led to this place because a covenant person would bear the burden with you, mm. would mourn with you, would covenant with you in that or would comfort you in that time because they had covenanted that they would do that for anybody who needed it that's what they would do that is the promise Mm. and i just love the thought of that in times of distress hopefully there is a covenant person within reach because what that means is you won't go through that thing alone yeah and it's neat to think about that whole idea of that covenant relationship entering into relationship with god And now entering into the work of God, Mm. almost like, okay, I want to be your people. I added that as a, as this one, even though it happened at the beginning, right? I want to be called your people. And it's like, what do the people of Jesus look like? What do God's people look like? They look like those who comfort and they look like those Mm. who bear burdens because that's the work of Jesus. Yeah. That's, that's what it looks Mm -hmm. like to stand as a witness everywhere you are. Yeah. No matter where you are, like that you will act and live like that. And I love this. Alma says, if this is the desire of mm-hmm. your hearts, 
then what have you against being baptized in the name of the Lord as a witness, right? That this is the life you are going to strive to live. And you love to in that same verse where he's like, and then you're going to have, you already have some of his spirit. It's what brought you to the waters of Mormon. But you love that the promise at the end of verse 10 is he will pour out his spirit more abundantly upon you. And I love the thought of that, that every time we enter into an ordinance or a covenant with God, realistically, at like the very base of any blessing that we get from that relationship is um, that he will pour out his spirit more abundantly upon us. It's just an abundance of the spirit comes through every covenant mm-hmm. we make. And I love that. Yeah, Elder Bednar taught that so beautifully in this last general conference, just that relationship of their those blessings of grace and power, the power of godliness that comes in in those moments. And and what is that additional abundance of spirit and power going to be used for? God's work, mm-hmm. right? That that same thing. And we cannot skip this part. No, please. Are because, you going to do eleven? Right? Yes. <laughs> My Listen, favorite. everybody. I'm about to start a revolution. And now when the people had heard these words, they clapped their hands for joy and exclaimed, this is the desire of our hearts. Why do we not clap in church? Somebody, this is our scripture. This is our scripture. And when I, why are we not clapping to say this is the desire of my hearts? It's so cute that they're so happy. Like this big touchdown cheer just goes up. Just cheer. It's so good. Today, like after a musical number, people like this. And the waters of Mormon but people listen, are like, I got something to say. It's like what everyone wants to do when they announce new temples. That mm. is it. It's that um, excitement that they have Doesn't for like, Nelson yes, that is how I want to get baptized. But so, now okay, we're a church. can at- also be powerful. Say know, that's true. Reverence can also be powerful. <laughs> but in my home, which is now my church, which is now my home, we clap. Okay. <laughs> oh, <that laughs> um, is this awesome. is another part that we love so much about this section right here is this verse if you go down a little bit um starting in 16 there's that first baptism and then people are getting baptized and after this manner he did baptize everyone that went forth to the place of mormon and they were a number about 204 souls who i love that part it's not mm-hmm. about 200 it's 204 one two three four <laughs> that's so awesome and they were baptized in the waters of mormon and were filled with the grace of God. Do you love that that is that connection to abundance of the Spirit? Yes. Is and, being filled with the grace of God. And you love, just let's just make sure you catch all these because it's so good. Will you just, as you're going through Mark, in verse 10, he would pour out his Spirit more abundantly. In verse 12, O Lord, pour out thy Spirit upon thy servant. On verse 13, and may the Spirit of the Lord be poured out upon you. And in verse 14, they arose and came forth out of the water, rejoicing and being filled with the Spirit. And it's so interesting because Elder Christofferson is the one who taught us that the Spirit is the messenger of grace. Mm. And this is where we see that come to fruition. It's just right here in this pattern. So good. Okay, then they're just talking about, just keep looking through there of all the, all that teaching that's in that whole section. And it kind of culminates, well, at least for me, in that verse 30. I love this verse so much. It says, Now it came to pass that all this was done in Mormon, by the waters of Mormon, in the forest that was near the waters of Mormon, the place of Mormon, all the Mormons. Okay, <laughs> that's all the Mormons. Okay, 
And then it says this line, how beautiful are they to the eyes of them who came to the knowledge of their Redeemer. How blessed are they for they shall sing to his praise forever. And we love this question right here that you can take time to answer and talk about of where are your waters of Mormon places? Where are the places where you came to know um, your Redeemer, where you had experiences with him? You know, I look back at um, some of those places in my own life and I just think, you would look at a picture of them and think that is not a very beautiful place. Mm. You know, like the streets of Korea are not very beautiful. 1900 South and Lehigh is like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. but you're not going to put it on a postcard. But those are the places that are beautiful to me because the, that's where I came to a knowledge of my Redeemer. I remember once, in fact, when we moved from our house that we just moved from this year, um, right before we moved, I... Um, went and I walked through every room again, Hmm. you know, one last time to kind of say goodbye. And the spot that really hit me was the spot right at the top of our stairs in that house, because that's where we used to gather for prayer, you know, with all of our kids. We started with three in that house and ended with six. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Um, but that, that's a, it's so, it's ugly. The carpet is that builder grade, ugly carpet and, the walls were chipped and and it's not very big, but that is a beautiful place because we felt God's love there and we petitioned for God's grace there and people said their first prayers there. It was it's beautiful to us mm. because that's where we all, you know, came to know our Redeemer better. So that's so good. So we do we want you to seriously take a little bit of time and just think about it, even days. But where are your waters of Mormon places? And maybe just record them in your journal so you have them right there where you can um, look back and remember. We love that part. So awesome. Okay, we're going to shift a little bit here where now we're going to tell these two stories. Do you remember it without the map? Or do we need to bust that guy out again? So we're watching these people. Alma's people are now going to leave this area, the waters of Mormon. And they're going to go into this new place called Helam. But when they're there, they're actually going to get put in bondage by a a Lamanite group. And we're going to kind of talk about that so you know what's happening. We're going to talk about that in a second. But that's one group. When I say tale of two cities, that's one group. Then the people of Limhi, we're going to now jump back to their story. Remember, these guys left and we've been following them. Now the cameraman comes over here. And Ammon's still not here yet. Remember, we met Ammon when he came and they were like, let us tell you everything that's happened. Okay, so we're still in that retelling. We're telling about when they left and came down and then then the Lamanites and all of that. Ammon still has not come down from right here. Okay, but he's about to right here. We're going to hear the same story again because it's kind of part of the retelling. And then so we're going to watch... How the Lord redeems and delivers, excuse delivers the people of Limhi and how he delivers the people of Alma. They're now two different groups of people who both are in bondage. We already knew about Limhi's bondage. We're going to find out about um, Almas. Alma's in a second. But mm-hmm. we're going back to the people of Limhi. Um, it back in, well, where should we start? In chapter 20? Should we yeah. kind of tell? Yeah. yeah, let's tell 20 really quick because it... Leads us to where we're Okay, so Noah, remember, had Abinadi burned at the stake. Um, And then what happens right after that is the Lamanite army attacks the people. 
And um, as they're coming in to attack the people, um, Noah and a group of people like run out and escape into the wilderness and they leave behind the women and the children. And some people are like, you're crazy. We're staying. And other people go with him. Well, they go into the wilderness, you remember, and the people turn against Noah. And they're like, now we realize that you have led us into such a problem. I can't believe that we left behind our wives and children for someone like you. What were we thinking? And they finally like come to themselves and he gets burned at the stake. And the priests are like, "Uh oh, we're next. So they run off into the wilderness and the rest of the people go back into the city. And now that's Limhi's people and they've been captured by the Lamanites, right? That's kind of, and now they're kind of in agreement with the Lamanite king that we will pay you heavy, heavy taxes and kind of be your servants and slaves, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of what is, is going on right here. And don't it's, forget about the daughters. Oh, okay. And some of the daughters of the Lamanites who are in charge of Limhi's people like to sing and dance and bathe like out in the river area. And they get kidnapped by Noah's priests. And the Lamanite king thinks it was Limhi's people. So he comes and attacks them. They win the battle and fight back. And they're like, why'd you attack us? And like, you stole our people. You stole our girls. And like, we didn't steal your girls. It was those priests. And he's like, oh, sorry. And now they're like, we're going to find <laughs> oh, those priests. Sorry. You know? <laughs> You know, he's like, we're going to find those priests. And so when Ammon comes from that top area down, uh, they actually think that it's some of those priests. And that's why they kidnap him. That's why they put him in jail. Remember that part of the story he wasn't going to tell you yet? That's the part of why they got um, all tied up. It's because they thought they were those people. Yeah. So now Ammon is there with the people of Limhi. They're all in captivity and Limhi's happy that Ammon came because he's like, I think this is the beginning of our deliverance. I think you are a sign and a messenger from God that our deliverance is is kind of at hand. And um, right before Ammon comes is that huge battle. And there's just some great verses right there. So let's talk about that for just a second. Um where it's going to talk about now they're in this bondage. What chapter are you in? I'm in 21 verse 11. And um, they have their continual cries in verse 11. And um, the third time they suffer again. And then in verse 13, it says, They did humble themselves even to the dust, subjecting themselves to the yoke of bondage, submitting themselves to be smitten, driven to and fro, and burdened according to the desire of their enemies. And they did humble themselves even in the depths of humility. And finally, they start crying mightily to God, even all the day long. Did they cry unto their God that he would deliver them out of their afflictions? And now the Lord was slow to hear their cry because of their iniquities. Nevertheless, the Lord did hear their cries and began to soften the hearts of the Lamanites that they began to ease their burdens. Yet the Lord did not see fit to deliver them out of bondage. And it came to pass that they began to prosper by degrees in the land and began to raise grain more abundantly and flocks and herds that they did not suffer with hunger. Okay, pause for just a second because on the yes, study guide paper, that. what you have are two sections here um, of different lessons that you learn about the way God delivers people. Some are the same in both of them, but it's just interesting to see that there's two groups of people who are both enslaved by the Lamanites 
and how God delivers them in such different ways mm-hmm. and the little lessons that you can learn and we love from both of these them. lessons because a lot of times we focus on stories where the miracle is the focus um, we hear what happened at the end we hear the promise we hear the answer that came and we kind of live in that place but what happens if you're in the middle what what are you supposed to do what if your answer didn't come yet what if you're still waiting for your miracle what what are you supposed to do and one of the things i love about these two back-to-back deliverance stories is we actually get to see them in the middle and we get to see Mm. god working with them in the middle and there are lessons that come in the middle that are really good for us in our middle in fact this one um in mosiah i'll never forget Several years ago, I got really sick unexpectedly. I am a super healthy person by nature, and I have tons of energy all the time. And I'm kind of a doer. I just I like to do stuff, which is the way <laughs> my <of>. family is. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I like to go. I like to do stuff. Well, I got really sick in November several years ago, really sick. And um, I was teaching seminary, and... Um, It started with a melanoma on my leg, but then it just went downhill from there. And by December, I was flat in bed. I couldn't get out of bed ever. And um, I was like, yeah, and I was freezing cold all of the time and so tired. It was like all of a sudden I turned into this 95-year-old woman overnight and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. Every three days I would go into the doctor. I was in emergency rooms in December three different times. Um, And every time I went, I would just, I can remember saying to the people, I am not well. Something is wrong with me, but nobody could figure it out. And they were just, they were like, maybe you're just tired or whatever. But I was like, no, it's not my personality to be tired. I don't get tired. Um, So something's not right in me. And they would keep trying all these medications and people were trying all these things and, um, and nothing was working. The more things people tried, the sicker that I got. And I finally got to the point where I just, every day, uh, this was me. I can remember reading this chapter and thinking, this is me, um, that I'm just subjecting myself to this situation that I'm in and I'm submitting myself to it. And all the day long, I did cry unto the Lord that he would deliver me, that he would somehow get me out of that place. I can remember thinking, I can't live the whole rest of my life like this. Like I will go crazy if this is my life. And I can remember um, I I was teaching early morning seminary and I would wake up at six in the morning and I would stand up for 15 minutes to see if I was well enough to go. And if I was, I would go over and teach one hour. And if if in 15 minutes I didn't have enough energy to stand up, Greg would go over and teach my seminary class. And... um, I remember one day teaching seminary and then I would come home and I'd be exhausted. I just had to get in bed for the rest of the day. And I was driving out of the parking lot and I seriously was praying constantly. And I can remember as I pulled out of the church parking lot, hearing the spirit whisper, it is enough. And I can remember thinking to myself, am I going to, am I about to get better? Because I just, I want to get better so bad. And I came home and read this, um, chapter right here this is the chapter we were on it's where we were reading and i um saw that verse where it talked about the lord did not see fit to deliver them out of bondage and it came to pass that they began to prosper by degrees in the land 
that they did not suffer. And I wrote those three words down on my bed because I was in bed all day long, every day, um, that they would prosper by degrees and they would not suffer. And I looked at it all day long, every day. And that is what happened in that situation. I didn't get better the next day. Um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disease. And sometimes you can take medicine to fix that situation and it just fixes. And for some people, you have to take medicine and then actually change your entire diet in order to fix it. And I can remember finding a doctor who would help me with that. And as I went through the process of that and cut a whole bunch of food out of my diet, all the good food out of my diet, and I started to prosper by degrees. And it was so interesting because I can remember the first three days feeling like joy, thinking this is gonna work. I am about to get better. And then on the fourth day in my mind, I was like, wait, this is gonna work. <laughs> I'm gonna have to live my whole <laughs> life like this in order to not be in bed every day. And that is true. I now have to live my whole life like that in order to not be in bed every day. But it is interesting and true. Sometimes the miracle comes in one night, in 24 hours. It just The answer just comes and it's over. And sometimes he prospers us by degrees. And that is so hard. But I love that we come to know him in that process of prospering by degrees, even if it's slow going for a time. And I, I love that you just said that line because... I Whenever I read this part about where it says the Lord did not see fit to deliver them out of bondage, it's because there's a reason that he's not delivering them out of the bondage quite yet. And I always think it's because when he says he was slow to hear their cry, you're like, that's not his nature in other places. Mm. He immediately grabs Peter's hand. The man outside the temple immediately receives strength in his legs. All of these can have their spiritual equivalents. Mm -hmm. Like she's telling a physical story and we see physical miracles in here, but they all have their spiritual equivalents of, wait, why is this taking so long? And that line's so interesting. He was slow to hear their cry. And it's like, sometimes I think it's like, oh, because their hearts weren't quite ready yet. I'm not saying that's for you, well, but, I, was... but I just like that. It's like, I've got a different type of deliverance yeah and my timing is different and i think it is important because i'm i'm not kidding you i never prayed so hard in my life as i did those four months and it it did feel like the lord was slow to hear my cry um and i can remember having a conversation with a friend um one afternoon that i was like i just this is taking so long it's taking so long and he said um to me okay this is what we're gonna do right now this is what i want you to do you and me are gonna go on a hike in our head. We did not live anywhere near each other. He lived two states away from me. We're gonna go on a hike and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick you up in my green pickup truck, okay? I've got you and we're driving and I'm gonna park my truck and we're gonna start walking and we're gonna walk for a long time, um, for hours. We're gonna walk and then we're gonna stop and eat lunch. And we won't we won't be at the end of our hike yet, but we will stop and eat lunch. And he said to me, so you just need to think to yourself, you maybe have just stopped to eat lunch. And I was like, that doesn't make me feel better. And he was like, look back at the truck. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, when I look back at the truck and I see how far I've come, even if I'm just at lunch, 
I can see how far I've come. I can see what I've learned. I can see what's happened. I can see how the Lord's molding me. I can see how I've learned to hear the Spirit talk to me clearly and differently and specifically that I would not have known had I not gone through this. And sometimes we have to do that. Like sometimes you got to stop and look back at the truck because it isn't until you look back at the truck, the journey looks too much the same. It looks all the same. When you stop for lunch, it, it looks like the same place where you started. But when you stop and look back at the truck, then you realize I actually am being prospered by dis- degrees. And I can see that I'm being mm. prospered. Even in the places I don't want to be, the Lord doesn't leave us stagnant. He's going to progress us. Is that a word? Yeah. He's going to increase <laughs> us in that time. That's what he does. He, he doesn't ever just leave us stagnant, even if it feels like we are. Yeah. And it's neat that this is written like after it's all happened and they can look back mm. and experience that. But I'm so glad that they wrote down some of the things they yeah. did. Like when I look at like verse 16 and it says um, they didn't get delivered from the Lamanites, but their crops started to do really well. Like another kind of like blessing came into their life. And I've always loved 17 where it says that the king commanded every man should impart the support of the Mm. widows and the children, that they learned how to love each other. And, and they got promises of, of gifts that are coming in the future. And I just think it's awesome that everything that happens in that place, he's prospering them by degrees, but the lessons that they're learning in it, are also a different kind of deliverance, mm-hmm. right? I think something that's changing them and as, as they're as they're moving through this, you know. It's, and then we're gonna meet Gideon right now. Oh, oh, he's you you your best Gideon. guy. So you're writing some of these lessons down, and you'll find your own as you learn this. Like the things I learned, and also some of the things that they did, you know. But because in 21, this is such a cool spot hmm. that they all come together. I love that part too. Is that the right verse? Yeah. Am I in the right verse? Oh, it's 22. Yep. It's right at the very beginning of 22, yeah, right before I'm in the wrong we meet spot. Gideon. So um, verse 1 and 2, that all the people should gather themselves together and this, that they might have the voice of the people concerning the matter and they could find no so way to deliver wise. themselves yeah. except they did this thing that they were like, but this isn't going to work. But it's the only thing they could think of. And then we meet Gideon. Oh, you just love Gideon so much. He's one of your favorite heroes. And it's fun that he comes in and he's almost like, um, hi, just, you know, you've heard some of my advice before, but I just sort of like, you know, um, if you have not found me, verse four, to be an unprofitable servant, or if you've ever listened to my words in any degree and they have been of service to you, um, (laughs) maybe it would be your desire that I could give you this idea and I could be your servant again in delivering the people because I have an idea. And he says, tell us, you know, and it's fun that they've all gathered together, but the idea came through this one servant who comes in, this oh, great you man. Just love him. And and he's like, okay, I've got this great idea. Um, there's this back pass out the back of the city. And uh, remember, he was a guard of Noah's, so he like knows the city super well. And he's like, there's a back pass out there, and there's only a couple of guards. And at night, they're um, usually drunk. Um, and so, you know, we could take advantage of that. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, know? I'll go. I will go in. I will take wine. I will give it to all the people. As soon as they're drunk, then 
Um, we'll sneak out. Yeah, in verse 11 it tells you, they did depart by the night into the wilderness with their flocks and their herds. And they went around this way and they were led by Ammon and his brethren. And we we forgot my favorite part. Where is that part that I loved? Oh, we can't miss in chapter 21, verse 36. Before they all gather together in that place and they're trying to decide what to do. And it says in verse 36, and now all the study of Ammon and his people and King Limhi and his people was to deliver themselves out of the hands of the Lamanites and from bondage. That's what everybody's thinking about. But here's my favorite part. Who are Ammon's people? Do you remember who they are? It's his 16 strong men. And who loves that they just sit around at night? Um, Ammon and his people, his 16 strong men. And they're like, how are we going to get out of this? What are we going to do? I just love the thought of that team of men gathering together and saying, <laughs> so awesome. what are we going to do like, right okay, now? Someone's like, okay, what about a kite? <laughs> we could do a... Uh, but I am thinking, I was thinking as you were just reading that, like those 16 people, just how neat that is that sometimes when there's somebody with a problem that people will gather together and they're like, and they're well, let's study it. this out and let's yeah. figure out. It comes back to this. I'm going to mourn with you. I'm going to bear this burden mm. with you. We are going to just figure this out. And, and sometimes you need to do that. Just keep yep. studying and talking and, and working through those things. It's awesome. Okay, let's go to the other people. Should okay, we? but hold on. Verse 14. Oh, wait. What happened? Mosiah 22. And it came to pass. They they finally get to Zarahemla after many days in the wilderness. Oh, I forgot the happy ending. Yeah, you forgot the happy ending. <laughs> and Ammon leads them home. And it came to pass that Mosiah received them with joy. And he also received their records. And the records which had been found by the people of Limhi. Um, so you just love. Here they are. Okay, they made it. They got delivered after all that time. Okay, now you can talk yeah. about Alma. Oh, but remember right before we started when we talked about how cool that was that... Remember when Limhi sent out some people to go try and find like where the land of Zarahemla was and they got lost and instead they stumbled upon yes. this other place instead? Those are the records that, yep, they, that bring they bring with them. Because remember, they find those out there and what looked like um, a disaster, what looked like a failure of a mission actually is how we end up getting the story of the book of Ether, yeah. which is cool. It's such a great detour. Sometimes that happens, yeah. right? That, that God's like, here, you stay here in bondage. You have to. I will prosper you by degrees. You send out uh, this. And it ha this happens a while before. Right. Get those plates. Well, right before Ammon came, actually. That's right when it happened. They come back right before Ammon comes back. This beneficial so, detour, yeah. you know, so, so neat. Good. Okay, now Alma. we'll do the Alma people, their group. And again, you're kind of studying what do they do and what does God do and what does it look like in these middle moments for, you know, this story of deliverance that neither of them happened overnight. Plenty mm -hmm. of stories like that. But what is it that happens as you go through? Now, Alma, you remember, leaves... And he, um, they leave with their people from the waters of Mormon. The Lord tells them to leave from there. And they come to this beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And they end up naming it the land of Helam. And, and let's read about it. And it has waterfalls, I feel like. Yeah. But I don't and know if it, the scriptures say they do, but in my mind, they do. and pleasant land, a land of pure water. That's why you're thinking oh, about okay. waterfalls. Yeah. And they pitched their tents. So and they began to till the ground. And they built buildings and they were industrious and they did labor exceedingly like they came to stay when you're mm -hmm. reading this that is what you feel like alma was like okay this is where we'll live now this is where we're going to be and it's a beautiful place 
And it's so interesting because as you think about what happens, this is also a lesson we learn in the middle. They wouldn't have left Helam without the trial. And I think that's sometimes true of us, that maybe we would get in a place that was fine, but maybe God looks down and wants to be like, uh, you're settling there. Mm-hmm. I have something better for you. But we're like, no, this feels comfortable. I feel, I've, I'm happy with this. I'm happy to stay here. And he's like, no, no, I have something better for you. And in that, I think sometimes he's like, here, let me show you that maybe this isn't where you want to be. Let me let me light a little fire that might get you to the place that is going to be better. Yeah, and it's interesting that I was actually reading that this morning. Why was I reading in Acts chapter 8? No one knows, right? But somehow I got eight. led there. Philip and the eunuch? Is yes, that where yes, you were? yes, yes. But I noticed this this morning, which is it says, and, and verse 1, Saul consenting unto his death, um, Stephen's death. Stephen, why did he become Stephen for a second? It's fine. <laughs> and at that time, there arose a great persecution. A great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad because of the persecution. Hmm. Like they were in Jerusalem and you don't get Philip going into Samaria. And you don't get all these other things unless that persecution pushes mm-hmm. them out into all those places. And so sometimes we want to raise our clap our hands, right? And <laughs> praise because life is going really good. But perhaps we should clap our hands and praise when life isn't going as well, because where is he taking us? Mm-hmm. We're being moved, you know? That's that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to move out. Like Christianity shouldn't be a monument. Mm-hmm. Like it should be a movement yeah. of us. Like so it's that's like so even great. though you hate it, it's kind of like Yeah. I love what you said earlier. Like they would have never left Helam mm-hmm. had, had they not this, had the had trial. they not had this trial that came. So um, awesome. So there they are. Everything's fantastic. And then the Lamanites are going to come. Again. And what's so crazy is the Lamanites are teamed up with one of the old priests of Noah. So remember they kidnapped some of the daughters of the Lamanites? Well, then they ended up marrying some of them. And they were kind of hooked up together. And then they team up with the Lamanites because they're married to their daughters, right? They've got their daughters. Mm-hmm. So they become a force together. And that's the group that... Um, makes Alma's people slaves. But what's crazy is Alma and Amulon's his name, they got history, right? Because they used to be priests together. And it's interesting that that group is particularly like, he's particularly rough on them because he knows Alma left and, and kind of walked away from it all. And don't you think Alma sometimes thinks like, why is this haunting me still? Yes. Like, I left this. I know. I chose something better. Like, I, yeah, why yeah. is this still here? And, and sometimes we do have to think that. Like Alma, the persecution that comes on Alma isn't because they weren't making good choices. It's such a great lesson to realize sometimes bad things happen to good people. And it is one of the way that God moves us or progresses us or gives us an increase is through that. Um, I love that it's in 24 verse 9 that you're talking about where it says that Amulon knew Alma. Um, so there we see that. Um, and the, and the afflictions start coming now, right? And this bondage. And in verse 10, so great were their afflictions, they began to cry mightily to God. And That's awesome, right? I mean, not 
But it's like, would they have had such mighty prayer and such a sweet relationship with him without, without it? And then Amulon, he just wants to bother Alma. Says, no one can pray anymore. If anyone is found praying, they're going to get put to, get to death. And Alma just tells his people, don't raise your voices, but pour out your hearts to him. And, and he will know the thoughts of your mm-hmm. hearts. And so um, then you love that um, in this case is going to be different than... Um, limb highs a little bit because it says the Lord comes to them and says, lift up your heads and be of good comfort for I know the covenant which you made unto me and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage and I'm going to ease the burdens. So we see that again. Do you remember that in the last group? He eased the burdens that even you cannot fill them upon your backs, even while you are in bondage. And I'm doing it so you will know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. And then it's so interesting because the reasons why the burdens were made light, it tells us in verse 15, is actually because he did he strengthened their backs. That's what happened. Um, that he didn't take away the burden. Yes, he just strengthened, strengthened the them people. to be able to um, do it with ease and cheerfully and with patience. And then I love this one, and it came to pass that so great was their faith and their patience that the words of the Lord came unto them again, saying, Be of good comfort, for on the morrow I will deliver you out of bondage. And and so this one's different. The other one, they just, they had to wait. They had to, they were prospered by degrees. They had to gather together. They came up with their own ideas. Gideon came up with a solution. Sometimes that is the way out. And in this situation, it's going to be different that um, God gives them a, an end date, right? It's it's tomorrow. That's when it is going to be. And he takes care of it. He has the Lamanites sleep longer. And, and he tells them, this is what, this is how it's going to go. This is what is going to happen for you. And it's so interesting to see, I mean, their situations are so similar, but their deliverance is a little bit different in both of them. And to recognize that sometimes that happens sometimes you're delivered tomorrow mm-hmm. and sometimes you're delivered by degrees and you just don't know which one you're gonna get yeah and it's cool that in 23 he says and then i'm don't worry i'm gonna stop the lamanites in this valley that they won't come after you um anymore that and the first part of alma's story like you couldn't get away from that guy and then this one is just like I'm just going to stop it. But maybe I love this verse maybe is kind of the wrap-up one, or maybe you have something else. But back in chapter 21, verse 5, this was true for both of their stories. Like the way of deliverance was different for both of them, but two things were true. Number one, it says their afflictions were so great, there was no way that they mm. could deliver themselves out of their hands. That was true for both of them that they were unable to do it on their own. And God became the hero of both of their stories. Mm. They looked, it looked a little bit differently, but they could have never done it by themselves. And he delivered all of them. And then now they can yeah. stand as witnesses. Yep. And you love in verse 25 when it says, you keep forgetting to tell the end of the story. Oh, well, I'm just, I, you put me in the middle moments. Okay, and then I, now After you're the happy ender. After they had been ender. in the wilderness 12 days, they arrived at the land of Zarahemla and King Mosiah did also receive them with joy. It was King Mosiah's best year. He was yeah. so happy. <laughs> you got all the people back. Yes, we want that year. We want our best year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, everything's coming back. I don't know. 
It's cool that then they all have these stories, right? They all have these stories of like, then they get to come all together and it's just like, let me tell you what God did for us. Yeah. And they're like, let me tell you what God did for yeah. us. And now it's and you all love over. That. And because especially when you are in the middle, like it's so interesting. I can remember coming out of 2019 and, and it was a hard year for us. Remember I told you it was a crucible year for us. Every one of my kids went through something like not just hard, like I don't even have a word for how bad 2019 was. And I can remember saying on my birthday, December 31st, I am so glad for this year to be over and to welcome in the next year. And I remember hesitation in that moment. I could feel this like, just, I felt it. And it's so interesting because remember my cute friend, Chris Belcher, who died in January and, um, we had several other things happen, but then look where we are right now. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. and how many people have sent around that picture and have you seen it of the slide that says 2020 and you're just coming down <laughs> so nicely and then boom, it's either that one, you fall off a cliff or you come down and you're on a cheese grater. Have you seen that one? <laughs> oh, it's no. terrible. I hate that. And I looked at both of them and I was like, cheese. oh, remember how I was so happy for 2020 on December 31st, 2019. I was like, this is going to be a good year. And, um, and it's not so far. It just, it's not, right? We <laughs> all agree it's not. But this is what I want to say. And then we're going to have that King Mosiah year. We are where yeah. the people, and he had great joy. And then he had great joy again. And that is what happened. And I just think to myself, oh, we just, we need to pray for that. The great joy, it's going to come. The deliverance is going to come. And the great joy is going to come. And maybe it already has by the time this video goes, because we are recording way ahead. But if it hasn't, everyone, it, it will. It's going to. But, and part of that joy that came when they all gathered together was because of who they became mm. before the end. You know, like it yeah. just would not have been an experience like without the middle, it wouldn't have been yeah. as happy as an ending yeah. of an ending. Yeah, so. but these are good middle moment lessons. So take some time to think about all of these. You'll use them for your whole life, sadly, but true. Yeah, <laughs> or happily. <laughs> yes. So, all right, see okay, you next week. See you next week. week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.